Podcasting services for On The Menu Radio are provided by ASP Station, www.aspstation.net. out there. You're listening to On the Menu with Ann and Peter Haig. And today's show, I think we're going to present you with some new truths about the food post-pandemic here. Uh, the first one is, should be actually, uh, an iconic cookbook in your kitchen. Um, I get lots and lots of, of um, vegan and vegetarian and healthy cookbooks and this one stands out and will it's due to be an absolute classic. Mm-hmm. We're, we're talking about Kathy Caton Grassini's book called Love the Foods That Love You Back, which is a gluten-free cookbook that you won't even notice the health adjustments in it. Um, well, I mean, we talk at length about this. Let's talk to Kathy directly and find out what this cookbook is all about. I'm loving being able to interview Kathy Caton Grazzini. Um, her book, I mean, we get a lot of vegan books these days and, and clean and healthy eating these days, Kathy. <clears throat> but your book, Love the Foods That Love You Back, is absolutely extraordinary. I just was oh. floored by it. Wow. So, That's, uh, thank you so much. It's so great to hear. Well, you know, I didn't really believe you were going to be able to make these delicious foods without using, um, with having total vegan, um, no fat, no salt. <laughs> I couldn't even I believe know. it. <laughs> I know. Give, give our listeners a little background as to how how you ended up in this field that you're in and writing this cookbook. Tell us about your experience there, sure. the backstory for this book. Okay, well, uh, I guess I'd, I'd start um, in uh, 2013. Uh, my husband, Giordano, had a medical scare. Um, he had uh, something was desperately wrong, and it, and it culminated in a surgery uh, that went awry, and he needed an emergency second surgery, and it all turned out to be um, a blocked artery of all things. He was a healthy oh, guy, an athlete, a cyclist, you know, in his 50s. Uh, uh, but what it turned out to be was um, he, we realized he had uh, atherosclerosis. And, oh, yeah, uh, Peter's mother had that, yeah. Yeah, there, I mean, it's our leading, you know, killer in this country and all over, you know, uh, the advanced uh, industrialized countries. Um, and, uh, and the surgery was problematic, but thankfully he survived it. But we were so traumatized uh, by this revelation uh, and we learned that, you know, it's a progressive chronic illness. It, it, medications and surgeries in an emergency can be life-saving, but they, they're not curative, you know. They, they, mm-hmm. they can only slow the advance of, of uh, atherosclerosis, heart disease, uh, but they can't arrest it or reverse it. So when we got home, um, I did a, a, a frantic search uh, online, and I discovered... 
that uh, there were doctors uh, at that time uh, who were treating Bill Clinton, as a matter of fact, uh-huh. uh, way back when, um, who uh, doctors Ornish and um, Caldwell Esselstyn, Jr., who had had amazing success um, treating and reversing something unheard of, uh, heart disease, with the use of whole plant foods. Um, and uh, so I you know, ran out and got Dr. Esselstyn's book and, and uh, changed our lifestyle on a dime um, and grabbed on with both hands. And the results have been absolutely miraculous. I mean, this is not a unique story. This is true for so many people, not just with heart disease, but with all the major chronic illnesses that um, plague us today. These are all food, it turns out. Yeah, we we interviewed somebody who cured her husband's diabetes, including uh, getting him off of insulin, daily insulin injections by his diet. And and it was Indian food, which is like the capital uh, of of, um, uh, diabetes in the world. But anyhow... Yes, yes, it's absolutely true, and it's you know, and and these illnesses are affecting uh, us at increasingly younger ages today. Um, the the you know kids are obese and they're getting diabetes and autoimmune conditions and and um, colon cancer. And it's just dreadful. But the the good news is that um, you know by tweaking our diet. In delicious ways, uh, we really give up nothing and we gain, as, as Dr. David Katz likes to say, more uh, years in life and more life in our years. It's, it yes. really can rejuvenate us. So that's, that's the backstory. And after, after having so much uh, success um, medically, uh, our doctor was just amazed. Um, I decided, you know, I was going to try to help other people, save them from the trauma uh, and, and um, fear of going through an experience like we had had um, by going back to school and getting trained in plant-based nutrition, which I did at Cornell, and, and then I got co- uh, professional culinary training. I'd always loved the cook, but I wasn't a formally uh, trained mm-hmm. uh, chef. Uh, and through Ruby Online Cooking School, I went through their plant-based program, and that gave me a wonderful foundation and then the rest is, uh, you know, many years later in teaching classes and helping other people um, during COVID. It was the perfect time uh, to write this cookbook, and I did, and it was published by Rizzoli, and they did a beautiful well, Good book. publisher, too. <laughs> yeah, beautiful yeah, book. Very happy with it. Yep. Thank you. Now, where, where, where and when were you in Italy? Well, my husband, Giordano, who was the photographer for this cookbook, by the way, right. we are... Oh, I was going to comment on the photographs. Wonderful. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thanks. Uh, he is Florentine, and we met um, way back in, um, gosh, in the 1980s in uh, Italy, where I was doing a graduate program through uh, Johns Hopkins in a totally different field. But anyway, through mutual friends, we met and we fell in love and, and uh, we lived here and we lived there and back and forth and uh, eventually we settled in the States. But that's where, that's where we met we, and we lived for several years and his family is still there, but he is here. Well, of course, that's a wonderful place to be 
studying or researching food, that's for sure. <laughs> Indeed. Don't you fact, love the central... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Don't you love the central market in Florence? I do indeed. So much fun. Yeah, it's a, it was it was there. I think I you know I always loved to cook, but I was uh, my mom was not a, a, a much of a cook and was a very insecure cook, and I sort of bumbled my way along. But when I lived in Italy, I was completely blown away by um, la cucina casalinga, you know, home yeah. cooking which is revered in Italy, um, and it's, uh, you know, the, the table is the place, as you know, and, you know, where everybody gathers, it's where socializing happens, it's where magic happens, and it's all about the food. Uh, yeah, I love your description, because I know this, that, that you'll be sitting down for a meal, and people will be talking about what they had their last meal and what they're going to have for the next <laughs> meal. <laughs> That's completely right. It's completely and and it's children as well as you know seniors. I mean, it's it's just uh, a love affair with food. And I I you know when I when I started cooking vegan this way, um, that's what what my that was my touchstone. Um, but I wanted to go further beyond uh, Italy to other agrarian uh, societies, which are you know cover the planet. Uh, to explore all of their food ways, uh, it, you know, uh, and and see what I could adapt, um, tweak healthier with a low-carbon footprint because that these are the times we live in, and that is so critical as well. Um, yes. And so that has been my inspiration is to, to really, you know, coax people back into their kitchens because Lord knows, you know, with the assault of, just the constant, you know, uh, uh, drumbeat of convenience, processed foods, and takeout. So many people have stopped cooking or minimized their cooking, and this is where not only health but emotional health also, in my humble opinion, you know. Well, some of it's come back during the pandemic, apparently. Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, yeah, we, I we get fewer cookbooks by chefs. You know, these so-called chef's cookbooks. I mean, I actually wrote one of those, so I understand that whole mentality. But but more more cookbooks are arriving on my doorstep that are targeted to home cooks. Excellent. Let's, I, that's my prayer, is that, you know, this book and others like it can inspire people um, because that's, that's really where health resides, you know, on every level, is to get away from processed foods, from oily, fatty, salty, sugary, you know, processed foods and animals. You know, you said something very important that I don't, I don't think many people really understand it or believe it, but actually these, um, these big food producers, commercial food producers, put in things in the food that makes the food addictive for fast food. It's completely true. And, and yeah. this is true at, you know, restaurants as well. I mean, they, they you know, they're salty, they're oily, they're, you know, they taste, um, they trigger our dopamine centers in our That's brain. It. And uh, and so they are subtly addictive. It's you know, uh, and people of course it, it feels great while you're it's in your mouth. It doesn't always feel great when it's in your stomach, you know. Yeah. Um, and it takes a little while to clean your palate, but once you do, I can tell you that your perception 
of the much more subtle flavors involved in simple fruits and vegetables will knock your socks off. You become yeah, aware. You said that, and I was really, all of a sudden I started thinking about that. You're talking about how the grease really kind of masks um, the ability yes. of, of your your flavor yeah, you sensors. read my intro. Thank you. <laughs> well, yeah, I was? Oh, that was, I believe, in the intro, introduction of the cookbook maybe is uh, where where that I alluded to that, I, I suppose, um, I, as I recall. But anyway, it, absolutely true. It's, it's, um, it's a cleaner way of eating, and it's, um, there's much more depth of flavor that you can appreciate uh, when, you, when you eat this way. Uh, that's what I've discovered. Well, you know, I, I have to tell you that I went through, when I went through, the, the, of course, I, I loved your introduction because it was just so intelligent and, and so persuasive. But when I started looking at your recipes, I, I approached them saying, no way is she going to be able to bake bread without using some kind of fat. Yeah, there's a there's a whole chapter on on breaking bread and uh, you know sourdoughs and and flatbreads and and all sorts of fun things to make in here. So um, it's possible. Yeah, I kept as I said, I kept saying I can't believe she's going to be able to do this. <laughs> and then you do it. You really worked hard on investigating all this stuff, right? Yeah, I mean, it's my passion, you know, so I have, it's very educational for me to explore all these different cultures and uh, get to know the lexicon of the seasonings and the produce that's native to, you know, all these remote corners of the world, uh, and then it's my joy to bring it, you know, to, you know, to make it, um, because today we live in a world that's knit so closely together, it's it's easy to procure all these, uh, even, you know, all these ingredients. If not online, then uh, even if you're not in a major metro, if you live in uh, near any immigrant communities, there are Latino markets and South Asian markets and East Asian markets. You know, you can really... Oh, yeah. it's, I don't know if you, if in, in Pittsburgh, if there's an H-Mart, for example, you know, the Korean enormous uh, supermarkets, but it's like... No, we don't like have personal. one of those. Oh, we we have Korean restaurants, and we have a couple Korean grocery stores, but yeah, you, you make a very important point, is you can, even if you don't have these next door, well, you can get them all online. Absolutely. I mean, you know, most things are available online, so... So it's it's um, it's just it's so exciting, you know. There's just so many possibilities. I, I there's, it's a well that never runs dry. Yeah. Uh, who, who who knew there were so many kinds of vegetable soup? Give our give our listeners a a quick overview of a thousand and one vegetable soup recipes. Oh my goodness! Well, let's see what's in this cookbook. I mean, that, the the soups and stews are just but one chapter of of there. I think there are seven different recipe chapters in the cookbook. But uh, we, you know, we have with split pea cauliflower and and a comforting tomato soup. We we have hot and sour soups from China, Cuban black bean soup. I have some, you know, not only do I do traditional ethnic 
um, global flavors from different uh, traditions, but there are a lot of original, you know, um, creations out of my own little, you know, head that I've added. Into yeah, I thought you might have done some of that, <laughs> a lot of it, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah, like the early spring miso soup. I mean, that's inspired by Japanese flavors and... and um, their wonderful tradition of cutting out their vegetables in decorative floral shapes, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, would just make it fun to eat. Um, but that's, you know, there are lots of recipes in here that are um, just creative and using very humble economical vegetables in very unconventional <laughs> ways. It's just well, you know, I, I, we eat a lot of miso. <laughs> oh, me too, yes. And we have a, um, a chef friend who has a food lab in his restaurant, and uh, he makes, he, he uses koji on everything. <laughs> I've never seen yeah. the likes of which he, he comes up with these, I don't know where he, what was the ferment that I couldn't believe he did? He promised to give me some, but I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> That's fascinating. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I mean, he, he experiments all the time with it. Yeah, it's, it's it, remarkable. And, you know, what really intrigued me about Miso is um, because this is such a healthy, you know, this book is, is designed to be very anti-inflammatory. Um, so I was avoiding salt because it's such an irritant to people's arteries and guts. And yes. Your blood pressure, it, you know, it's so problematic for, it, it's one of the big risk factors uh, for yeah, for death and disability, you know, of, of all the food things that we eat. Um, but miso, in spite of its salinity, um, studies out of Japan have indicated that, in, conversely, it it uh, slows our heart rate and it doesn't elevate. Yeah, I didn't understand that because I would think that, totally the opposite. But you did write I that. Know. It is. And how does that is. happen? I don't know if they really understand if it has to do, it, it's not strictly to do with the fermentation, but it might have to do with the koji uh, spores that inoculate the, the miso uh, paste, you know, the soybeans used in miso and other beans used in different kinds of miso. I, I have not seen any studies that, that really have understood the processes at work, just the impact on the human body, which is advantageous to us so for the time being and now we interviewed the guy from cleveland who uh, wrote the book on koji um and i i tried reading the book but it was so technical i i really just took his word for everything at the end oh i'd be curious about that book i i'd love to understand it more myself and do my own experiments oh well, i i forget his name right now but he's he's like the big guru of koji I, I mean, I that's the name that of the up. book, Koji. Hmm? I can look it up. Code. Well, I can remember that. Okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that's fascinating. Um, so but, so uh, yeah, that was something I, I was really surprised about, Miso. Um, and it, it, you do things that I, mean, I would never even attempt, like doing grinding your own 
flour and things like that. I would never attempt that. Well, that well, there's not there's nothing difficult about that. It takes seconds. You know, it's just the reason I do that is because when you're I I, I do it not only to grind um, flours, um, and you can you can grind them to make them as coarse or as fine as you like. So if you're trying to increase the fiber content of your diet because fiber is what the our gut microbes feed on and do wonderful things for us in exchange for us feeding them all these fiber-rich foods. Um, but you can also grind beans into flours and, you know, many other things. Um, and it costs a fortune to buy all these flours. And they I, You're a fan of Rancho Gordo. I could go broke on my <laughs> Rancho well, Gordo. Terrific. Yeah, I mean, they're a great supplier of uh, beans. and, and it's a They sell a lot so fast, though. I, mean, it's just, <laughs> yeah, I wanted to try those, the uh, the dark uh, black, um, what are they, those beans, the uh, not black beans, the chickpea beans, black ones. Something black. narrow. Oh, the the um, the uh, the Indian. Uh, no, they're darker. Italian. Oh, I don't know these beans. They yeah, I don't know them either. They have thick skins, but I went to order them and they were out of them. So oh. I have to wait till I they get them in again. Skins, do you have to skin them like fava beans? I don't know, but fava beans are total torture to me. I, can't, I love them. Yeah, I, but I, I agree with wasn't. you. <laughs> you know, the only way to, I mean, they're very popular all over the world, but I, I think if you grow your own favas, and eat them green. Um, I don't know if you have to go through all the rigmarole with the double skins that you have to. Yeah. Uh, you know that that is uh, above and beyond where most people really want to go. So exactly. You know, well, you know, I mean, even chickpeas um, can be problematic. You know, if you buy them fresh, and you can buy them. Uh, Dry. The little teeny, they're cute. Those little chickpeas. Yes, I've done that. Uh, it, like shelling any, any, any. Yeah, I mean, I've done it too, but it's sort of. Well, let's take one of these recipes just to give. Here's okay. the, my uh, my object. Here is to try to explain to readers what you do to produce these incredible flavors and keep them according to your code without salt, without fat. Um, yeah. vegan, and so forth. I'm, I just picked up Soy Chef. Uh, the short, so what do you uh, do with chevre. that? Uh, did I hear you right? The Soy Chevre? The, the, um, yeah, the because cheese? it's, I mean, it's it's goat cheese. Yep. Except yep. you don't have any goat in it. No. <laughs> well, it's a little bit different, but, um, you know, it, uh, then uh, the flavor profile is going to be a little bit different. It's not salty like, um, like you know, uh, goat chevre will be. Yeah. Um, well, let's skip but, that one. Let's do this other one, which might even be easier because more people understand. Oh. Vegan okay. Greek-style yogurt. Let's do that one. Yeah, well, that's great. Uh, this is my one of my go-to recipes, and the chevre, by the way, is made from this yogurt. So it's a live probiotic food. Um, there is, you know, few things as easy as making your own yogurt. All you need is a heat source to keep a constant temperature, and that could be, gosh, you know, that could be an instant pot if you have one, or a dehydrator. Yeah, I, I used to do it with no, no, no machine whatsoever. And I had yeah. this ancient Syrian 
and starter that had been kept for years and years and years and generations. And uh, I was living in Philadelphia, and I had to go away for a while, and I asked my neighbor to feed it, and she let it die. (laughs) <laughs> oh, that's heartbreaking. Yeah, it's just like sourdough. You know, you can, well, you know, I make it, um, that's true with dairy yogurts that you can keep a little bit and make it over and over again using mm-hmm, a little yeah. bit of what's le- left over. When you're doing plant-based um, yogurts, uh, you're using, instead of dairy milk, uh, I use um, a, a very uh, simple soy milk, but not, use them, that are just either if you're not making your own soy milk, and not everybody has to do that, you can use a product like West Soy or Eden Soy that come in the aseptic cartons. These are minimally processed. They're just organic soybeans and water. That's all. That, you know, no vitamins, no additives. It's just that. They're not sweetened. It's very, very simple, but it's, it's, it yields the best yogurt. And then you inoculate it um, just as you would uh, um, uh, a cheese or, uh, you know, other other products uh, with probiotics. And there are two probiotics that I found um, after doing a, a quite a bit of experimentation um, that work really well to make a very thick and dense um, yogurt that's a lot like Greek-style yogurt, even before it's strained. Um, and, and all you do is you need a little candy thermometer, a pot, you heat up uh, your milk barely. It only gets to about 100 degrees, so it's way before it boils. You, that's why you need to measure it. You know, it's body temperature, basically. And you, you open your capsules of probiotics, stir them in, and then you just uh, mix it well and pour it into glass containers or whatever you want to use to set your yogurt and place it in a heat-stabilized area you could be an oven if your oven heats as low as 100 degrees but Mm -hmm. um the microbes that that culture yogurt are similar to us you know they need it not too hot and not too cold there's a sweet Mm -hmm. spot between you know 85 degrees and 105 degrees that they multiply in and that's what cultures and thickens uh the soy milk and creates wonderful yogurt um, and after about eight hours, you're ready, and you just, uh, you know, make sure your covers are, are if they're in jars, are, are screwed on tight and stick it in the fridge, and you're good to go. And I use the yogurt not only just as yogurt, you know, which makes is wonderful with fruits or vegetables, um, but you can make, there's a wonderful ranch dressing, um, which is my go-to creamy dressing in the cookbook that you'll find. Um, and for making cheeses, all, the cheese, like the chevre, has a couple of extra uh, flavorings in it, but there's a simpler cheese, which is just like labne or suzme, the labne, the, the Turkish um, uh, strained yogurt cheese, which simply means, you know, after your yogurt is cooked, uh, you strain it in uh, a muslin, unbleached muslin, piece of cloth that you string up make a little yogurt bag and let it drip out its way liquid uh, it, over the sink or in a strainer in the fridge depending on how many hours you want to let it go and it thickens it even further into a spreadable cheese that's just like uh, cream cheese um, or you know or if you go a little further you can roll it in rolls like I did uh, for the chef and um, yeah. it's it's really good. You're amazing. Um, two other 
major amazing feats you did here without fat is pie crust. <laughs> and, and the other one I want you to talk us through is what you did with chocolate bites. Oh, okay. All righty. Let me flip over to that and just refresh my mind. Yeah, so, you know, you get kind of creative when you're not cooking with, fight, uh, with fat. Well, let me just take a minute because I think your audience might be uh, in, curious to know, how do you develop flavor when you're not using salt, you're not using refined sugars, and you're not using fat? Um, so, and there's, you know, there are different things that you can do um, just, you know, when you're sautéing or when you're making soups or whatever it is you're cooking. Um, and sometimes what I do is I use the, the – there's a lot of sugars naturally in our fruits and our vegetables. Yeah. And if you roast your tomatoes, let's say, or you roast your mini peppers or your regular peppers uh, in, an, in a 350 or 375 oven for half an hour, they, they condense. And they um, not only do they cook, but the, a lot of the water evaporates, and it caramelizes the sugars, and they become even more flavorful. And then you can use those uh, elements in a whole array of different uh, recipes as well. And you can even blend them and make glazes um, to shine up the exterior of your crust. If you're baking, um, uh, there's a fun Italian. Uh, uh, it's it's not a pie. I I don't know how to. It's a tort that's covered in a crust um, that's quite beautiful. It's layered with vegetables inside, and it's called cuco, and it's, it's from a remote part of Tuscany that you'll, you'll find in the cookbook. Um, but to get to the chocolate bites, uh, I'll just veer there. That, that's just one thing. The, the, to finish my prior thought, though, you, you can play with citrus, you can play with mushroom powders by grinding up a dried mushrooms and use those as flavorants. You use chilies that come in all different degrees of heat, um, but mostly people just think of chilies as being hot, but they are so much more than hot. They're fruity, they're raisiny, they're smoky. You know, there's just a, a huge variety of what they taste like and what they, they can imbue in a dish. And yeah, we did a... a, 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 a uh, chili tasting with um, Diane. What was her last name from Frontera Grill? And, and yeah. we had to describe um, what the, what we were tasting, and we couldn't mention heat. And <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, that's exactly right. Yeah. I'm a hundred percent in, you know, uh, on board with that. You know, it's, yeah. they're they they're just it's one more way instead of flavoring with sugars. I use fruit. I use fruit, regular fruit, and, and dried fruits that I reconstitute into pastes and then use the paste to, to sweeten dishes, which is um, what I did in, um, in, uh, in the chocolate bites that you were talking about uh, earlier, which is made just so people know. It's a black beans are in here and oat flour. Yeah, I thought that was funny, yeah. Yeah, so this is a gluten-free sort of, you know, really fudgy, chocolatey little mouthfuls that are um, sweetened with dates. Um, they use organic cacao for their, and so there's no, um, there's no cocoa butter in here, so it's very, very low in fat. You can use um, uh, scraped uh, vanilla beans or extract or vanilla powder. Um, and there's a teeny element of... Um, 
of tamari, um, or you yeah, can use miso as well. Too, yeah. You know, because it it actually brings out the sweetness. It just a little hit of the salinity there. And you know, um, Kathy, we could talk like all day long. <laughs> I know. I feel <laughs> we're like we're kind of running out of time here. I want I want listeners to get be sure to see. It's Kathy Caton Grazzini, and the book is called Love the Foods That Love You Back, and it is, listeners, a huge revelation. I can't thank Now we're going to turn to Brett Kramer, who, well, we interviewed Brett about his company, the Spice Lab, way back in its early beginnings, and so what we're going to get now, talking to him at this stage, is his company's growth and development and in our current state of spending more time in the kitchen and of taking advantage of all the flavors from around the globe, uh, we get a picture, a behind-the-scenes picture, of where we are uh, with spices and how a spice market operates. Uh, let's listen to Brett. He explains it much better than I do. You know, we're, we're talking to Brett Kramer with a C, <laughs> as I uh, realized. Um, again, I'll add that because it was a long time when we first talked to you, Brett, but you were an early entry into this um, to this whole niche of spices. Um, your company, the Spice Lab, was one of the earliest ones, I believe. You know, we, we started, you know, I guess 13 years ago now, and it's all about oh, know, clean that labels. Long? Yeah, it's uh, 12, 13 years ago now. And mm-hmm. the whole thing with it is we wanted to be the best commercially available product we could source and sell. Is kind of what the philosophy is behind the company. With as, you know, clean label as possible on most every item we sell and, you know, as natural as we can get with the products. That's kind of the philosophy behind what we do. Then what led you to this? I mean, now everybody's thinking spice, but all that time ago, this was not on the top line of anybody's dream project, was it? No, no, by, by no means. Um, I was in the dot-com business. I had a top 600 website. I sold the, I sold the company, um, and I was, frankly, too young to retire and, you know, too old to, you know, go work for somebody else necessarily. And I, my, my goal is I, I always had I always like to cook and barbecue and grill and stuff like that. And I always had trouble finding, you know, niche items, good quality product, clean label product. So the goal was to open up my own little retail spice store. And my wife and I started, you know, running around town looking at locations and stuff like that. In the meantime, I made these gift kits out of the test tubes for friends. Yeah, that's Everybody cute. To, the cute little test tubes. Everybody wanted to saw them and wanted to buy them. I put them online, and before you know it, we're selling tens of them, hundreds of them, thousands of them, tens of thousands <laughs> of them. And then people said, do you have refills? We started selling the refills. Then people said, do you do this? Do you do that? And every time somebody would ask me something new, we would grow the company. And we started the first year, we sold a couple hundred of them out of our kitchen, literally our kitchen, because you know, we weren't in the spice business. It wasn't the intent of, of doing it. I wanted to retire with money for the other company. And the short version is I didn't get to open a retail store up for about eight years. And we finally opened one up about five years ago, I guess it was. Um, but in the meantime, you know, we started doing more and more stuff. And by being a high-end company, you don't sell the low-end stuff or you're not the cheapest guy in town. And mm-hmm. people call me up, I want you to do the quotes. I said, we're the most expensive person that's going to do this for you. But if you want the best, that's who we are. 
if you want cheap, I'll give you I'll give you three or four people to go talk to. And you know, most of them say I want the cheapest. It's fine, go go to them. But a lot of the times, they want the best. You know, then they come to us, and we want a few people in the country that do what we do with the the runs of stuff and how we 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 get the ingredients and the smaller runs, medium sized run run stuff. And now we're in a 125,000 square foot building. I'm working, you know, seven days a week, and so oh, much we're wow. being retired on the beach. <laughs> so the retirement <laughs> plan kind of failed, okay? But the business succeeded. It's one of those things in life. You can't have it both ways, I guess. So, um, do you still sell those cute kits with the the racks with the test tubes in it? Yeah, yeah, we, st- we still sell them. Yeah, oh, they're still they're on our so website. Cute. I mean, they're one. Oh. They're still on the website. They're still on Amazon. Every year at Christmas time, we probably sell ten thousand of them or something every year. Um, okay. But they're a beautiful little niche product, is what, what it is. And and we, you know, right now we're so busy doing stuff for you know private label customers, our brand. We do a lot of lot of lot of products for um, Costco, different divisions of Costco. So it, it's we've just been you know crazy busy in the last you know. I'd say about three years now. It's just been going nuts. Well, and the whole pandemic certainly helped the, the spice industry. The spice, and everybody started cooking and cooking yep. at home and getting interested in spices. So that must have been a big boon. Yeah, it was. It was almost two years ago, I guess. Um, and you know, one day you wake up and the whole world shut down. Like, oh crap, what happened? And I, I got really lucky because we did not sell any food service items. Less than two percent of our business was food service, which all shut down. Well, it turns out that everybody who shut down food service went home to, like you said, to go buy the stuff at the local store and buy it online. And we doubled the business that year. So you know, we doubled the business two years ago. And this year we're up about forty percent this year. So it's we're still obviously gaining gigantic chunks of market share with the business because people are. They buy the product. They they say this does taste different or taste better or, you know, uh, not every basil is created equal and stuff like that. And they they want to you know buy the brand and stuff like that. And and we're getting uh, in more and more and more and more you know uh, higher end stores and you know, stores are saying hey we really want you guys to do a bunch of stuff for us. So that it's really worked out quite well. Yeah, I I know how I use your stuff. Should we call it stuff just? Yeah, yeah, stuff works. Stuff works. So I sprinkle stuff on one side, and then I turn it over and I sprinkle something on the other side, and then I, and then I have this little plastic thing called orca, and orca is sort of like a brush, and that way it lets you spread out the magic potion all the all the way over both sides of the good stuff. Exactly. That, that's how I use it, but. How, how typically do your customers approach the use of your spices, or do, do they do it the same way I do? Well, it all depends what they're using it for. You know, it's you know we sell a lot of these these specialty blends, and most things we make we make it so they can work on not just one time. We don't want one item that just works on one item. Yeah, we, we everything we make right, we try right. to get out there. Yeah, to be very versatile. So even our, um, we have a smoky pecan, you know, rib rub seasoning. Well, you put it on shrimp or salmon, it's amazing. You put it on, um, you know, uh, some, you know, Fiona's made some weird stuff with it. She's, uh, does sweet potatoes. 
and she puts it on the yeah. sweet potatoes, and you have the best sweet potatoes you've ever had, and it's like sweet potato, you know, um, I mean, it's amazing because it has nothing, you know, again, we try to get stuff that's very, very versatile. We don't want one that only works on one thing because it kind of blocks you in that way. We like people call us up and say, hey, I tried your whatever on something strange, and it worked. I'm like, wow, I never thought of that. <laughs> I, I do <laughs> <So>. that, too. <laughs> exactly. Well, you you uh, how many because you didn't have all the, I missed the smoke pecan thing um, how many different spices or do you keep adding spices how many do you have yeah well, well we, we, we what we do is we, we do two things two different ways we have our line of stuff that we can buy on our website which is you know retail accessible on a day to day basis and there's probably a couple hundred items in the catalog you know, some of them are duplicates, but we have salts and spices and and and, mm-hmm. and seasonings. Um, so between the three different kinds, a couple hundred items. But we also have a lot more that we don't sell on a day-to-day basis, but we might make them for certain private label clients. Or we have a bunch of stuff we made that's in our, our repertoire of stuff we made in the past. The customers call us up and the guy says, hey, I'm looking to start a private label whatever line. And I need this, so we send them out our current stuff. But we also, by the way, we have this, 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 and this that we can make for you because we we have the recipes and the, and the formulas for them. So we do that for a lot of customers too. So that way, people get semi-custom blends for them. And then if the customer buys enough stuff, we'll customize the blend completely for them. We have customers that say, "I love it, but I need thirty percent less salt." So we make them new blend, and we take the thirty percent salt out, and they have their own version of whatever it is. Wow. Nowadays, people, uh, the startup spice companies, and actually they're, they're expanding. Um, you have a lot of competition in the spice market now, which you didn't have when you started. A lot yeah. of them are built are um, boasting of single origin, small farmer, artisanal producers. How do you source your spices? There's a couple ways to go about doing it. There's... You know, the stuff we sell has to be commercially available, but consistently with high quality. There's definitely niche brands of spice out there that you can get, you know, handpicked, which I sell in my retail store. I actually open a retail store. We sell a bunch of stuff in the retail store. We don't sell through the spicelab.com because it's okay. niche items and stuff like that. Um, that we have handpicked oregano on like you know in italy where they go up on the hills and it's wild wild oregano and stuff really? open the bag and stuff and oh my god it's the best oregano smell you've ever had in your life i mean it blows you away <laughs> the trouble is the stuff's 15 dollars a pound wholesale versus three dollars a pound for regular oregano or whatever it is so I mean, you can't buy it and then pack it and then sell it because not only that the, the the family collecting it or the families collecting it, they can only collect so many hundreds of pounds of it a year yeah. or a thousand pounds a year. So if I get, you know, I can't take it to Costco and says, hey, I got this best oregano you've ever had. It's expensive. Costco says, we don't care how much it is. We sell diamonds. We don't care what it costs. You know, but the trouble is the guy says, yeah, I need 30,000 jars. <laughs> You're like, I can get you, <laughs> you know, 500 jars. You know, guy Costco, what are you wasting my time for? You know, so, so again, it's not that there's, other stuff out there that's niche product that are stunning. And we keep those in our retail store. So you come down to Pompano Beach, Port Lauderdale, you visit my store, you find all kinds of cool stuff there. The problem is they're not replicatable and commercially viable for us to go take and sell in a, you know, public, so, you know, wherever it is, you know, a fresh market, mm-hmm. wh- whatever, you know. Because yeah. you know, when you sell these companies, they want whatever it is this, this week, next week, and six months from now, 
and you can't see it. I'm sorry, I can't have no more hand-picked oregano um, or <laughs> parsley or whatever it is, you know, because the guy ran out of his 150 pounds he had, and then they're going to say, well, I have this empty shelf hole in my shelf for the next nine months until it comes in again. They don't want that. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, the, the I run into this as a as a retail consumer with things like um, Rancho Gordo beans. Every time I yes. get myself all worked up to to order it, yep. they're out of them. <laughs> exactly. So, um, yeah, I'm right now having a lot of trouble with online purchase of duck eggs. <laughs> I didn't know yep. duck eggs were seasonal. <laughs> Well, so, that makes sense. I get your problem, yes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. So, so, so you have multiple you, different directions for your business. Oh, 100%. You, you come to my show and people get blown away. And these, because they, the stuff's not all in, like a lot of it's not even the catalog because it's stuff we do specifically for such a clients. We're a consulting service as much as we are anything else with, with, with our okay. customers because people come to us and I says, okay, here's the deal. You want to do this, this, and this or – or, you know, that, or it gets to the point where, where the guy was, that's why I was a few minutes late because the guy was here from Miami coming up and he does a lot of, a lot of wholesale stuff for bakers and stuff. And I'm like, well, here's what you should do, you know, because we help them out because if they succeed, I succeed. Um, you know, and that's why we look at stuff because I don't want to give the guy, you know, sell him a bunch of junk I know is not going to work just to sell him some stuff because mm-hmm. he's never going to come back again as a client, you know, because he bought a bunch of crap that I know is not going to work. Um, so you try to work with him and says, okay, this is what I would sell. And the guy came up here trying to do all this high end, but you know, um, uh, the, the chemical gastronomy stuff with all the, you know, tapiocas and all the fun things you do to put <laughs> a couple years ago. And cause he has a brand that, you know, this, I says, what well, do you sell? He goes, ah, 300, 500 pieces. I can't turn the machine on for 500 pieces. <laughs> In the meantime, he's, he's, I'm walking him through the factory here and he sees hundreds and hundreds of pallets for Costco and a bunch of other customers we sell the stuff to. And, you know, they're, and he's looking like, am I missing it here? I says, yeah, exactly. That's why I had you come up here because, you know, you, you won't make any money selling. Even if you triple right. your business to 1500 pieces, it's a hobby. Not a business. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with hobbies. I mean, I love hobbies, and it's what I wanted to do myself was set up a little spice shop that was my hobby. I showed up every day, met a bunch of people, drank a bunch of, you know, cool teas and made some spice blends, <laughs> and that was my thing, you know. And it never worked out for me because I got too busy selling the, the commercial yeah, stuff. Were you busy? But You can see why. Yeah, yeah. Stay, we stay busy. Now, why why did you never do sauce, not sauce, spice in a bottle? Like a barbecue sauce. Well, that's than, wet. Um, yeah, there's two yeah, kinds yeah, of manufacturing. Okay. Yeah, we only do dry. You you it's a whole different dry. process. You have that cookers and steamers and. Well, yeah, because yeah, I, I know I, I'm I'm not smart enough to do this, the dry stuff more or less the wet stuff. But as soon as you do the wet stuff, <laughs> it, it, it's you have to have different rooms. Everything has to be you know hosable down. You have to have all the drains put in. You have to have big kettles okay. and steams and all, all kinds of crazy stuff. But okay. the people who do wet don't do dry. If some company that makes wet sauces is selling you dry sauce, they're not making them. They've got a co-packer doing it, and vice versa. You know, we do we do some stuff for um, a couple brands here that that they wanted some sauces. I called a friend of mine up in Georgia. I said, I need some custom sauces made. It's, you know, 4,000, 5,000 jar minimum on it. I said, fine. You know, and he made these, these high-end sauces for us, for one of our clients, because he has a facility that does nothing but that. And he, he doesn't you know, right, make okay. any dry blends. Okay. Two different things. So just, just, yeah. just, doesn't, just doesn't fit into the mechanics 
of, of what Yeah, you, it's what like people do. who grow apples and people who grow grapes. You know, they're both fruit. <laughs> they make great pies and drinks, but you, the same guy can't grow both. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, some of these spice companies are really fussy about that they won't even do salt because it's a mineral and not a spice. <laughs> and things Whatever like that. Whatever makes you happy. I mean, you know what? Yeah. I'm here, but I'm here I understand why you didn't have your time for retirement. I mean, you're, you're really, you've built a, a mega business, <laughs> right? Very demanding. Yeah, it's, uh, we're, 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 very, we're hiring, trying to hire another 20 people right now. So it's, it's definitely. You're short uh, that many? Yeah, probably realistically about 10 or 12 I really need. And I'd like to get 20 because half of them stay a couple week or two and kind of figure out they, they don't like working. But yeah, you know, we get twenty. We'll keep oh. ten or twelve of them. I don't know. We, we probably need ten or twelve actual full time people that stay here. Now, the, wasn't there, wasn't there something signal, sweetheart, that we were yeah. it was in the top of the box with with the with the with the bang hairdo? We we didn't talk about that, did we? Nam. Oh no, we haven't talked about that. I was, I was moving on to this. Um, I. I what I say is you keep expanding and reinventing yes. yourself in the industry. And, and so uh, after we hadn't talked for such a long time. I wanted to find out um, what, what is new with the Space Lab because it's, it started going in a different direction from yes. what I thought it was going to be. So you um, – said that you're introducing new collections at the uh, the food show and yes. and and yeah and I got press releases and so tell us a little bit about what's new with the spice lab well we have um we came out with a whole line of organic spices in the small french jars with stainless steel tops so it's a premium line of of Organic spices that look just stunning on the shelf, and the quality is really, really nice on them. So we have about and you get 30 those items. online as well. Yeah, yeah, they're on our website right now. Okay, because we we sell them you know day to day in the groceries under our brand, so we have plenty of those. The another thing we came up with is we had about a, I think a dozen bags of seasoning that we've been marketing to grocery stores in their um, produce department. So I'm I'm in front of them right now talking to you on the phone, and we've got. You know, like this one here is, you know, smoky roast potato seasoning. You know, so, so you know, when they sell the potatoes, right, they yeah, sell some of that. Yeah, exactly. Fajita seasoning, three onion dip, maple, thyme, glazed carrot seasoning. So stuff like this where they're, they're actually multiple-use things, but we find it works, works, what works best is people buy carrots, then they want something to make the carrots taste good. So we yeah, right. call out the carrots. I tell you, I mean, I haven't used that one yet because I, I don't think anything makes carrots taste good. <laughs> oh no, that'll no, be you, a challenge. Really good carrots. No, I, I think I think you'll be good with this. Now the trick of the seasoning is start the carrots. I cook mine on the sauté pan on the on the on the stove, and I start mm-hmm. them out with some water in the bottom of the pan. No, no oil to speak of, and you want to cook them about thirty to fifty percent through. Then you put the seasoning on. If you put it on too soon, it's going to burn. Oh. You'll, you'll burn caramelized crap, and you go, oh, my God, these are awful carrots. <laughs> so because the, the, the seasoning, by anything glazed, has a lot of sugar in it, and you don't want the sugar to burn because you, you will never cook the carrot without burning the sugar if you start from scratch. You want the carrots to be par-cooked halfway through, 
By yeah. the time the water, you know, evaporates in the bottom of the pan, you put the seasoning in there, you add just a little bit more water so it could make just, just a just a couple drops of water just to get it so they coat the carrots nice, put the top on and, you know, let them sit there in a low temperature for another, you know, five, six minutes and cook all the way through to the fork tender and you're, you're amazing, amazing carrots. Uh, my daughter, she turned I orange. I can tell you like to cook. I, and I, I love to cook. I, yeah, and you like food. <laughs> so, well, yeah, right now we're working on the Italian collection. I mean, okay, uh, yeah, and um, I, I wanted to try the Sicilian blends. As that's my background. It's what a little spicy, it so you're gonna get your tongue burned yeah. a little bit. On that one, has has the you, you tried it, you tried it already, sweetheart. You just don't you just don't know you did. No, you cooked with it. I know. I cooked I cooked roast chicken thighs with it. Well, that could be tasty, too, yeah. It was really good. Yeah, well, I, I like the sun-dried tomato. I like sun-dried tomatoes. I don't you know why. Try it in ground meat. You know, go, put it, go, go get some ground meat, try to make hamburgers out of it or, or sausage patties or whatever. They're great for that, too. It's great when you make a bowl of pasta with pasta sauce, commercial pasta sauce. You throw in a mm-hmm. couple pinches of this, and it gives it extra flavor to kick up the, the, the pasta sauce. Do you know about that? company that's what's it called foraged and found where um, they're making all these blends with seaweed (laughs) i think it's a great idea i mean we should definitely eat more of that stuff again you get back that commercially viable thing or what's i wasn't so sure about it i mean i'd love to see asparagus and then there was one i wasn't so crazy about but then they're um Putinesca sauce was really good, and it had kelp in it. Yep, yep. Well, you know, kelp is, I mean, we, we use some of the seaweed in some of the blends we do because it adds that umami, funky flavor to it, and it mm-hmm. works out really good, but, you you know, it has to be used in moderation. Another thing to check out, which I saw at the Fancy Food Show, and I saw it, is people are making beef jerky out of the portobello mushrooms. They're using oh, they uh, mushroom jerky. Excellent. Oh yeah. You think yeah, we've you think I've had be, those. Excellent. I, I, I <laughs> they got to figure it out. So uh, it's yeah. I mean, we, we got those early on. A lot of products we get people sending us early on. Okay. You know, um, I mean, we probably were the first people to get black garlic. <laughs> yes. And I, I mean, they sent me a lifetime supply of it. I, mean, I just couldn't even give give it away fast enough. <laughs> <laughs> that and I, I got a whole bunch of dried Maine seaweed once, which took me probably two years to get through. <laughs> Whoa. So, so you you now have all these blends. You have something. I don't know how people actually navigate what they're going to order from you because you have so much. And then you added this um, uh, Nom Nom uh, Paleo line. Yeah. And I told you, we I, I love that woman we interviewed her the founder and yeah, uh, I, I yeah i said Tam, <laughs> and i said what is the name nom nom and she said nom 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 and i knew exactly what she meant exactly. it was so perfect yep. she's she's yeah. really fun well she just yeah. came out with a third book and if you read the books or have a copy of the book it's a cartoon the book is very fun it's it's almost um, one of those, well, what they call the, my, my, my daughter reads them all the time, those novels, uh, they're called graphic novels. The whole book is done like a graphic novel, 
or right. every recipe, every recipe has 20 or 10 little pictures of how to do it, just pictures. So you can, yeah. really, I mean, it's, it's really made how most cookbooks should be made. It, so you can sit there yeah. and almost anybody can sit there and follow through and do it. What, uh, yeah, or, well, that precipitated you know. the last interview I had with her, actually, that book, which was adorable. Nice. It was so, and um, what is it? Her husband does the... the yes, um, her husband is the graphic the, artist, uh, Henry. And he's the yeah. nicest people too, because you know they're so great. We get them on, we get them on the live stream, you know, the uh, you know uh, video conferencing thing, and they sit there next to each other, and they just they're perfect for each other. They're great, and he's just you know so brilliant what he does with a book and understanding what people want. Yeah, I thought like so that. too. They, yeah, and it, yeah. they're just they're fun to talk to. Well, it turns out that Michelle's sister is Fiona, uh, who's our corporate chef, and um, you know. Uh, the one that does the blending, and we call her blendologist. She, you know, she, she, we say, uh-huh. hey, we need to make a blend for this. We need a blend for that. And she's the one that made the magic mushroom powder for Michelle you know, seven, eight, nine years I've ago. I've used that. The mag- magic mushroom powder works yep. really well. And I do a, um, um, a roasted, um, um, what kind of mushrooms do I use for that? Rabbit, I'm trying to remember, and I, sometimes I mix them. But anyhow, I use wild mushrooms, and I use okay. that seasoning. And um, I have a, a broth that I'm crazy about, which is um, it's powdered, yeah, boiling water, and and, and it's it's an Asian. Um, what is this in there that I love so much? Miso broth. Miso. 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 Yeah, miso. Miso. Again, broth. a very funky fermented flavor. So. Yeah, and no, I stick so it in the oven, and it's fabulous. Yep. <laughs> oh, shiitake yep. mushrooms is what I've shiitake, been Shiitake, yeah, yeah, shiitake. Well, we had a shiitake powder, and we made three more blends for her. Or, you know, she had the recipe for the blends, and so we took the blends, and we you know, uh, reproduced them here and commercialized them. And we now have four flavors for the Nom Noms. And the number one seller is the magic mushroom powder. The number two one that sells is the, uh, I'm looking at right here, is the, the stir-fry one is awesome. The stir fry powder. Yeah, I haven't um, done that yet. I well, have. You don't have to stir fry with it. it. You can try it on almost anything without stir frying it. Then the, um, okay. you know, it's a spicy Szechuan. You know, that one's that one's really good too. But that will make you tongue numb because of the Szechuan peppers. And then we got the um, which one is this? Uh, the grilling powder. So the uh, and the kit's been selling amazingly well. And the way we did the packaging and the colors on it just kind of matches her vibe in the book and really stands out on the, on the shelf. Now, what what are the um, these pouches um, for the blends for produce, dairy, and the spice yeah. aisle? I mean, just so our listeners can hear some of these, uh, you've got three onion dip, dill seasoning, guacamole seasoning. A spicy guacamole, and you have this yep. is your steakhouse potato seasoning, uh, and and you go on smoky roast potato seasoning, maple mustard coleslaw seasoning. I mean, it's I don't know how you manage all this fajita seasoning, and and you just well, touched on something else by the way that I think we ought to just mention is this industry is so full of interesting nice people. And and see, you're friends with all these people yeah. now, and that has to be good. 
I, I like the food business. Most people I met in the food business are honorable and really good people to work with. And that's why I help people out. The guy who was up today was from Miami. And 95% chance I can't do anything with him, but I'll point him in the right direction. So if he becomes successful and he finds something for me one day, you know, he'll say, hey, let's go see that crazy right. guy in, you know, in Pompano Beach and talk to him about the next project. And that's kind of, you know, we try, we try to help each other out with this stuff because all the small guys – and then there's three or four big guys. So you got the gigantic, you know, Con yeah. of the world and McCormick's of the world and stuff like that, who are these, you know, million pound super yachts, you know, just doing oh, what yeah. they're doing. <laughs> and, you know, they have great businesses, but they're not the most innovative people in the world. And right. that's okay. That leaves a lot of room for us. And people say, well, how do you make money in the spice business? I said, I don't sell anything McCormick sells. <laughs> Basically, you know, if McCormick can make it, it's like, why do you need me? Unless I can do it better. <laughs> McCormick. Great business. I wish I was Mr. McCormick. Yeah. You know, that's all i got to say. Yeah. But that said, you know, there's, uh, and there's another guy like room me. Yeah, room for others. There's, there's two or three of us that are about my size around the country that do all kinds of crazy stuff. We talk all the time on the phone because, you know, we're not we're in competition theoretically, but no. I mean, my business is, you know, $20, 30 $40, million business. Their business is a $20, 30 $40, 50 million. You know, so we have you know, a couple, couple, couple hundred million dollars of business. That's what McCormick does in like three hours. You know? I mean, yeah. it's like, there's, no, there's no competition. Right? So it's not against oh, us dear. against each other. It's it's us against them, you know. And and you know that's what you, every day you get up says, "How am I going to beat them today?" You know, and that's what you do. You try to be more innovative. You try to find products that the customers want, and not stuff that you know you've been doing for twenty, thirty, forty, hundred years. You know, and again, nothing wrong with that. But yeah. that's not what we are. You know, we're not we're not we don't do what McCormick does. So, well, yeah, I'm, I'm so I'm so glad we reconnected, Brett Kramer with the C. Uh, again, listeners, uh, the company is called the Spice Lab, and uh, want to give us your website real quickly. Yeah, it's a hard one to remember. It's spices.com. <laughs> spices. Spices.com. Spices.com. Yeah, you want to know about spices? Oh, go to right. spices.com. Yeah, so you go there. That that's, that gives you a pretty good idea of most things that we sell to grocery. Doesn't do any <laughs> any of the private label stuff or the custom blends and stuff like that. But it gives you a really good idea of you know the core items we do. Well, I'm I'm happy to talk to you again, and I wish you continued success. And uh, as usual, you're lively and fun to talk to. So you're a good rep for this uh, food industry, also. <laughs> well, thank you. Thanks so much, so much for talking. That wraps it up for today. In fact, it does wrap it up for today. I just wanted to interject one thought is that it's so much fun since we've been doing this for so long and to check in on a company at its early stages and then see it in full blossom and just achieving all all the desires of the the founder of the company. And, And that's a good example. But as I said, that does it for us today. So until next week, same time, same place, we're going to say bye-bye.
Podcasting services for On The Menu Radio are provided by ASP Station, www.aspstation.net.